from Relay FM. This is Upgrade, episode 434. Today's show is brought to you by Text Expander, Memberful, and Fitbod. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason Snell. Hi, Mike Hurley. How are you? I'm very good. I have a hashtag Snell Talk question for you. It comes from Dudak, uh-huh. who asks, Who are you rooting for in the World Cup, and who do you think will win? Oh, the World Cup. It just started. Mm-hmm. This is soccer, American soccer. It's the biggest uh, event, sporting event in the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the U.S. is in it, so I'm going to root for the U.S. because I'm an American. I will also uh, be cheering on England, I think, because mm-hmm. I always do that. Mm-hmm. And who do I think is going to win... Um, oh, you know, I, I had, I had a a prediction and now I've forgotten what it was. It's, uh, I'm going to say just to doom them. I'm going to say England. Why would you do this? To doom them. That's fun. (laughs) That's part of the doom. You got to set the expectations high so that the defeat is crushing. Mike, that's how you got to do it. It's going to be a rough day for you, for you on Friday. I mean, I could go to Argentina if you like, but you like. You can if you, I would prefer. Friday's going to be a bad day, you know, because. It's England versus the U.S. Well, the yeah, good it's gonna, news. I'm going to crush you. <laughs> so, the good, you know, the good, good news is, Mike, uh-huh. the good news is uh-huh. I can't watch that match because Fox, the uh, TV network that's carrying the World Cup in the U.S., has decided that they need, uh, they want to keep it rolling. That's Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. They need, They need to keep it rolling. With the sports after the World Cup is over, and of course the World Cup is over fairly early here in the U.S. because it's in Qatar. Yeah. So um, they decided months ago, probably like like six months ago, that what they would do is they would schedule a college football game right after England versus USA, so they could keep the sports w- rolling. And they thought fans of international soccer, what would they want to see more than UCLA at Cal? And so I will not see that World Cup match because I will be driving to the stadium for the college football game that follows the World Cup match. Incredible. So, so stay tuned, Americans, to watch me in a, you know, a few layers of clothing watch a good football team play my football team. <laughs> Even though it's Christmas, take off that red shirt. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, there was, well, we just went over the weekend to the Cal Stanford game, the big game. It was well, I would say it was great. The first three quarters were not so great. The fourth quarter was great, great. And it's actually the most fun I've had. It's It was essentially the reason that I go to sporting events is we had a mostly full stadium uh, shouting at the top of their lungs while exciting things happened. And that hasn't happened at the California Memorial Stadium. That's fun. Kind, That's kind of a long time. We had a great time. But of course, there's lots of people in red. There were people sitting next to us in red because they're the Stanford fans. They're, they the, the enemy finally appears from time to time. And you can say take off that red shirt to them all you like. Uh, won't. They won't. They won't do it. They're doing it purposefully. Yeah. And they're there anyway. Uh, so yeah, we'll be back at that stadium on Friday for the last game of the season. And so I'm not going to see England versus the U.S. It's just as well. It's fine. If you would like to send in a question of your own to help open the show, just send out a tweet with the hashtag #SnowTalk or use question mark #SnowTalk in the Relay FM members Discord, which you get access to. If you sign up for Upgrade Plus, where you will get access to our wonderful Relay FM members Discord, you will get longer ad-free episodes of Upgrade every single week in your podcast app of choice. It is just $5 a month or $50 a year. But we have a special promotion. From now until December the 17th, you can save 20% on an annual plan. You can find out more at giverelay.com. So you can do this as a gifting thing. We did this before. 
So maybe the holidays are coming up. You don't know what, you know, people want to buy you something. You don't know what to Definitely. suggest them. Um, <laughs> possibly some holidays on the horizon, you know. Mm. Uh, and you could say to that person in your life, go to giverelay.com and give me a gift for Upgrade Plus. Oh, what I we're see. doing That's this time. What I thought you were going to do. I thought <laughs> well, you were going to go the other way. Go to somebody and say, I gave you the gift of a podcast. But instead, it's like I let's demand be real. the gift of a podcast. Okay. Jason, let's right. be real. No one's buying this for an unsuspecting person in their life. You That's, know what this I mean? Is like, this is like a couple weeks ago where you were talking about your slippers, and I did, made the grown-up decision to text Lauren with a link to your slippers and say, this would be a thing you could get me for Christmas rather than buying them myself. This is a little like that, which is, oh, here's an idea. A podcast I like has a thing that you could buy and you could give to me. Mm -hmm. I get it. Okay. So, you know, go there. <laughs> GiveRelay.com. But the thing that we're doing this time that's different to what we've done in the past, you could just do this yourself. If you Go to getupgradeplus.com, sign up for an annual plan, and use the code 2023HOLIDAYS at checkout, 2023HOLIDAYS. You'll get 20% off your first year of an annual subscription to Upgrade Plus. Plans will renew at the full price after this year. We're telling you this in advance, so if you don't want that, you've got to turn off the auto-renew, but they will renew at full price otherwise. But you can get an entire year of Upgrade Plus for $40, and that includes all the previous content, Bunch of members content, access to our Discord. It's all available. Now, are the people who are Upgrade Plus subscribers now hearing this now? I mean, they can. Well, like in the episode. Does this yeah. count as an ad or does this not count as an ad? You tell me. I don't know. I feel like since you could potentially, as a subscriber, give this as a gift, you should hear about it. Yeah, sure. Okay, see, there it is. Now, that's why you heard about it. Mm -hmm. If you're an Upgrade Plus subscriber, you, you heard that. But also, if you're a subscriber and next year you would like it to be cheaper, there are ways now you could make that happen for yourself, I suppose. Mm, I suppose. It's going to take some work. Don't ask me for the logistics to that one. I don't know how that's going to work. But, no. you know, it's not impossible. Hey, why don't you tell people about the Upgradies? It's time to vote in the ninth annual Upgradies. Go to Upgradies.vote. Voting will be open until December 12th. We've had hundreds of submissions so far. I can actually tell you. We, can, we had 288 people have mm. filled out their nominations for the Upgradies. Which is Got a great time. start. Uh, but there's loads of time, but I want you to go there now. Go to Upgradies.vote. You don't have to fill in every category. Just fill in the ones that you care about. You know, let us know what your favorite tech products, your books, movies, podcasts are. Upgradies.vote. Um, and we will be uh, putting that one out there towards the end of December. I think December 26th, we have decided on, is going to be... Right, but the de deadline is going to be a, quite a bit earlier yeah. so that we can compile. Tabulate. Yes, it will be our Boxing Day episode. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, really lot, noticed a lot of people getting very excited about the favorite tech screw-up category that we do every year because whoa what, what a bonanza be? right like, what you know? a bonanza yeah, yeah, of yeah. things to choose from there amazing and then i had a question for you which is um when we did the episode did the upgradies.vote go to the old form before it went nope. to the new form or nope. was it just so, nope. so just, just twitter's so what you're saying preview. is twitter's content caching mm -hmm. is poor is not up to date correct it always goes to the current voting, right? Like, I just changed that. I did the DNS propagation and stuff. And it may have just taken a little bit longer. But yes, Twitter was saying 8th. But it was actually, if you actually went to upgradies.vote, it would take you to the form for the ninth mm. annual upgradies. Well, Twitter finally got 
with the program, I guess, but it took a while. Can you imagine that something was broken at Twitter? Can you imagine that? I can't. I was shocked. Shocked, I say. You've got some follow-up for us. I I have a little tiny bit of iPad follow-up that All I right. wanted to throw in here. This is sort of like the continuing story of Stage Manager, which uh, I guess it's sort of follow-out from uh, Connected because Federico keeps talking about the continuing story of Stage Manager. I just wanted to say uh, a couple betas have passed in 16.2 where uh, external display support is turned back on, and I... Didn't get to use the last beta, but the current beta I used for um, a few hours uh, one afternoon last week plugged into my studio display. So I was running external display on uh, my studio display, and I just wanted to do a quick report in. We'll see how you know it goes, and we'll talk about it probably more when it ships, but I, I'd say it's getting better. I didn't have any crashes while I was using it. And that was, as you know from talking to Federico, that was a serious problem before, is you would kind of be going along and suddenly the little gear would appear and suddenly you'd be back at the lock screen and everything would be gone. And I haven't had any of those or didn't during this experience, which was nice. But, so it's better. It still feels like it's not all the way there, right? It, mm. it is, there are still moments where I think, mm, why is it like this? Um, or how can I get this thing to go to the right place? And it's just not all the way there. My biggest frustration I find, and maybe this is because I'm a weirdo in terms of how I use windows, but like right now, I have a window in the center of my screen. This is how I work. I have a wide 27 inch display, right? I don't want a window that wide. And honestly, the 27 inch display is right in front of my face, right? So when I'm working on a document, I want it front and center. Yeah, and yeah, like one this. of the problems that that uh, on the iPad that Stage Manager has is when you have two documents on screen, it really wants them to be side by side. And so I was working mm. on a story using Stage Manager on the external display on the iPad, and I wanted to bring up a web browser and have it kind of be on the side so that I could look things up on the web and then paste things in and paste links and all that stuff. And when I brought in Safari. What it did is say, oh, I know what you want. You want Safari on the left side and, and your document that you're working on on the right side. And that's not what I wanted. I want my document in the center. I don't want to be looking to, I, I know this makes me sound like a very weird person, but like, I don't, I'm not interested in writing. Writing is hard enough without looking to the right. <laughs> I, I, I just want it right in front of my eyes. Yeah. I'll bring that Safari window forward when I want it, and then it'll go behind, you know, overlap a little bit when I'm working here. And and Stage Manager just doesn't want to do it. You either have to make that other window really, really huge so that Stage Manager can be moved kind of in front of it to the center, or you have to add a third window, like a like a proxy window, a fake window, an irrelevant window of some app you don't want to see so that you can have it on the right side and the Safari on the left side, and then your window will be in the center. And it's just ridiculous. Like... It's it's ridiculous. It, it is it is the system, and and I know that this is a an extreme version of the. I just want to put my windows where I want them. Like and again, I don't need it to be like I want to put it on this pixel or that pixel. But if I say I'd like this window in the middle, it should let me put it there, <laughs> and it just doesn't, and it's maddening. So I hate that about it. I and I hate that that leads to more window management because it's not letting me put my window where I want it to be, because it thinks the optimal window configuration for me is side by side. And mm -hmm. it's not. No, it's not. It's not. I have a bunch of like Moom 
shortcuts like yeah. configured to put things in the middle in some way whether like mm-hmm. just take the window at its current size and center it for me or like i have like an optimized size that i want say for safari or whatever and i yeah. put so i'm very much like you with that like i want the main thing in the middle and there may be some stuff peeking out and i can select it if i need to for reference but the th- main thing i'm working on right in the middle of the screen and there's usually an optimal size for that window, and I don't want it. I actually usually don't even have it extend all the way to the top and all the way to the bottom, but definitely it's in the middle, taking up the middle third-ish. And Moom yep. from Many Tricks is great at that. Um, some other apps, lots of other apps do that. That new Raycast app has a bunch of window management shortcuts built into it. Like there are lots of utilities that'll mm-hmm. do this. It, yeah. So anyway, it's very frustrating that that is not that the the operating system is basically like we don't think you should have a window in the center unless there are two or zero windows on like why why would you think that Uh, i have a great tip here which is uh i was frustrated and haven't been using this as much because when i do it i have this thing about like how am i going to get a keyboard and a trackpad hooked up to my ipad so that i can use them and then i realized uh with the help of a friend who suggested this well, my Mac is still here, right? I'm just unplugging the display from the Mac and plugging it into the iPad, but the Mac's still sitting here, right? And so when I have the iPad all set up with external display, if I reach down to my trackpad that I use with my Mac and move it to the right off the edge of the screen, guess what it does? Pops over into the iPad using universal control, at which point I can use my Mac, still connected to my Mac, keyboard and trackpad to drive the iPad that's driving my external display and it totally works so that's hilarious <laughs> i'd never even considered that <laughs> and it totally works so that actually makes it a lot easier to plug my ipad into the screen because i don't have to worry about the input devices they're just sitting there because they're part of universal control so that was fun and then my other observation for this quick bit of follow-up is i still love my ipad and use it as much as ever i know that there's a, like this vibe out there of like oh well those people who really like their ipad apple silicon happened and they're not as into their ipad anymore i'm not really one of those people i still love my ipad here's where apple silicon made an effect though is it is absolutely true that once they came out with the apple silicon macbook air that product was so good that what it made me do is it removed my reluctance to travel with an iPad and a MacBook Air. That the old Intel MacBook Air, I was like, you know, it's it's so much worse than my desktop Mac and an extra thing to carry that I'm not going to bother. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a weird psychological thing, but like it was a barrier to me. It was like, I don't like this thing. It's way behind the times. And it's another thing to carry. So I'm just going to try to make do with my iPad. And with the Apple Silicon MacBook Air, and now I have the M2, um, that's over, right? Like the M2 is capable of doing anything. I know it's not as fast as my Mac Studio, but it is capable of doing anything I want to do. And so I've just reverted to, I'm going to travel with the MacBook Air and my iPad. Uh, But what that has done is it has removed one level of pressure off of me, which was all of my attempts, desperate attempts to get everything that I do on the iPad, uh, everything I do to work on the iPad, right? And I just have given up on that. Like I've stopped trying to put the, the... square peg in the round hole here like the ipad is going to be what it's going to be and when i travel with the ipad and the macbook air 90 you know i i am using i don't i'm not gonna give it a percentage i'm just gonna say i only am using the the macbook air when i need to do a thing that the ipad can't do like a podcast um but i travel with it now 
So that that's my that's my report about where I am with this. It does make it does take the 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 excitement out of the external display support a little bit, right? Because I've sort of I'm no longer playing with the idea that I'm uh, I'm I'm going all iPad some of the time, right? It's just like it, that's not happening now. But um, anyway, it is getting better. It's still frustrating. And bottom line is, you mentioned Moom. Like I think bottom line that is the way forward for. Uh, for stage manager on the iPad is I think they need some more discrete window management controls that do things like what Moom does, where you can say, instead of just minimize or send this to the iPad or whatever, where you can say, put this in the center, put this on the left, whether it's tiling, like what Windows does and like what Federico I think wants, or whether it's just sort of moving windows into places We don't have to call it tiling. It's okay. You don't have to call it tiling if you don't want to. But having that ability to fairly quickly with a shortcut or a keyboard shortcut or a gesture or something that you click down from the multitasking uh, controls, a way to say, uh, this window to the center, please. And when they get that, I think it will be a much more usable thing. But right now, yeah, it's better, but still not great. Just as like a... For me, like a if we're talking about this like a line to draw, maybe I'm so happy with my move to the Mac for work completely. Um, mm-hmm. I remain very happy with my decisions. I still use my iPad Mini every day, and I love it. And I use it for lots of things. Most of it is just consumption of various stuff, which can be work. You know, like I'll ch- I'll check messages and all that kind of stuff. But I'm no longer sitting down and opening two Google Sheets side by side to do something. You know what I'm like? I've just yeah, I've given up on that kind of stuff. For me, I'm just happier to get my MacBook and do it that way, and, and it works much better. And these two devices now fit way better into my life when I decided to let them do the things that they are both best at. Yeah, I'm doing more iPad stuff than you are, but I, it's definitely true. And now, now especially that we're in the in the cooler months here, and I'm in an unheated. I mean, I have a, a space here that I turn on in the, the week, but on the weekend I don't. And so, if I need to do something, having the MacBook Air and having it be a, a computer that I feel like is up to date and current and has all the stuff that I, I I want to do my job, if I have to do something computery, something that's going to be better with a computer than the iPad, I could fight through it on the iPad, or I could just go get the computer. Having that laptop out here in the cold, cold garage. I'll just come and get it and bring it in the house, right? Like, so it, it is, I'm much more inclined to pull that laptop in and use it in the house uh, than I used to be because it's so much better. And that means fundamentally, necessarily, the iPad isn't, that threshold where I go, I'm not going to do this on the iPad is a lot lower than it used to be. I used to force stuff like using Google Docs, which is oh, terrible on the iPad. I used to force more of that stuff. And now I reach that point and I'm like, I'm just going to go get the MacBook Air. Yep. And that's fine. Yep. All right. This episode is brought to you in part by our friends over at Text Expander. When you work in a small team, every moment counts. You don't want to be wasting a bunch of time finding video conferencing details to send to that new client you've got a meeting with. You don't want to have to track down the same FAQs to the company website every time you get an email. That is why you need Text Expander. These are the kinds of things that you want right at your fingertips so you can get your work done faster, and that is what Text Expander will do for you. With Text Expander, you can access what you type most to just a few keystrokes, allowing you to work faster and eliminate repetition. 
letting you focus on what matters most to what you're doing right now. Tax Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations streamline your team's work. So all you have to do is type one of these short abbreviations and let Tax Expander do the rest. You can just build and collect your most commonly used phrases, messages, URLs, and more right within TextExpander. Then create your chosen abbreviation, and they'll be with you wherever you type. You can customize these snippets by having them automatically fill in dates for you. Maybe you want some fill-in-the-blank fields to do some extra customization, add some timestamps, and more. To make sure that you still keep the personality in the communication that you send, but you have consistency, you have ease, and you save time. Tax Expander is available on any device that you use, across any app that you use, Mac, Windows, Chrome, and iOS. You know, one of the things I mentioned earlier about video conferencing details, like if I, for me, if I just type ZZOOM, it will fill in with my all my Zoom info for somebody, like the links that they need and everything. Super simple. I don't need to go hunt it down every single time, and then people could just join calls with me. I love it for stuff like that. Super simple, but super awesome. If repetitive typing is getting you down, you need Text Expander. Check out Text Expander today at textexpander.com slash upgrade and you can get 20% off your first year. That's textexpander.com slash upgrade to say goodbye to repetitive typing. Our thanks to Text Expander for their support of this show and Relay FM. Jason, let's do some upstream because something what? bananas is happening at Disney and I need it's you to true. tell me what's going on. Well, um yeah something something wild so the news is that on a on a sunday night (laughs) disney announced that they had fired their ceo bob chapek who succeeded bob Iger, who was the longtime ceo of disney uh and they replaced bob chapek with bob Iger. (laughs) They brought the old Bob back. We're just Bob cycling here, right? It's like from Bob to Bob to Bob. We're bobbing along. Singing a song. Get all your Bob jokes out now. Killer Mm -hmm. Bob. You know, Bob Iger killed uh, Twin Peaks. He canceled Twin Peaks when he was running ABC, where the killer on Twin Peaks was Killer Bob. Ironies. So what does this mean? A lot of people in the spring were like, I don't know about this Bob Chapek. Like culturally, he's he's a parks guy. A lot of the people in the... Uh, movie and TV part did not like him and did not like the restructuring he was doing and he he took creative people out of positions of authority and if there's any place that this change is being hailed it is in the creative community because he was not their guy and Bob Iger is their guy so who, who Bob Iger totally understands the creative side of this in a way that Bob Chapek never did however uh, in the spring everybody was talking about that and about how how Chapek bungled the uh, the issues in Florida where they had the don't say gay law yep. and then he was like he he was quiet about it and then he came out and apologized which led to a conflagration with the governor of Florida and like, it was this whole mess and they're like wow he's not very good at this couldn't is have he? done it worse right like every single way that that was done he chose the wrong option <laughs> in every yeah. single possibility yeah. could, could not he st- <laughs> that was one of those things where he didn't just step on a rake he stepped on two rakes <laughs> so it was not good and, and you you know, Chapek has you know, Iger left the job right before the pandemic, and so you know Disney, all their parks shut down. Like it was tough. Uh, Chapek was given a a, uh, a a difficult situation, and also a lot of the assumptions that Iger made in building up Disney Plus have been proven to be 
uh, there's been a shift going on that mm-hmm. Netflix did a bad, had a bad quarter last quarter and Wall Street was like, why are we spending so much money on streaming? It's time for it to make money, which I would argue is a little premature, but that's what's happened. And so look, a lot of, a lot of headwinds, as we say, headwinds for JPEG. Um, and yet in the spring, the Disney and the JPEG's, uh contract was going to expire in the fall. In the spring, Disney's board extended his contract for two years, yep. which, while not a huge uh, vote of approval because it was for two years, could have been longer. It wasn't. It was surprising it was still, at the time, though, right? Because I remember listening it was. to Downstream and you and Julia were talking about, like, uh, before then, are they going to keep him around at all? So it was a surprise that they kept him around. There was a real question in the spring and summer whether they were going to renew Chapek or whether this was the opportunity to walk away from him. And I think at the time the question was, well, if we fired him, who would we put in charge? And, you know, Bob Iger is out there like he's doing some investments. He's sailing on a yacht. He's just having a good time. And I think they thought, you know what? How bad could it be? We're going to re-up Chapek. We'll see how he does. We can pull the plug at any time. And then they found out how bad it could be. Um, Meanwhile, in the background, and there was a story Puck News ran a story like last week, Matt Bellany wrote a, a piece about how he had been hearing that Iger had been bad mouthing Disney privately. You know, and remember, Iger picked Chapek as his successor, right? But he he did not like how it was going and he was saying so. And the piece was sort of like, this is really interesting just from a perspective of you're, you're probably not supposed to do this. Well, it turns out it sounds like... Iger basically was so frustrated by what he was seeing at Disney that he started to say things about it because I think he wanted to either precipitate a, a change at Disney, maybe bring himself back. Maybe that wasn't part of the calculation. Maybe he was positioning himself to be ready to actually come back and be willing to come back. Um, the hiring announcement for Bob Iger said he'll do it for two years. And over those two years, he really needs to groom a successor so that he can step away after two years. Now, Bob Iger's been talking about retirement. He talked about it a long time. He kept putting it off. When he finally did it, he stayed as the chairman for a little while. Um, and then he went away and now he's back again. So will he really retire in two years? Will they have somebody that they will be confident will be a better fit than Chapek was? Who knows? But um, it's a big deal. However, I will say, People who are expecting it to go back to the way it was, the the ter- the territory has changed. The terrain around streaming has changed, and and Julia and I have been talking about this on Downstream uh, every two weeks, and we will do it again next week, and that'll be a heck of a show. Um, the uh, the terrain has changed because of what happened with the Netflix results and what Wall Street's expectations are, and uh, the terrain has changed in the fact that uh, the linear TV rights, the cable TV rights that have been a huge um, infusion of money for Disney be- through ESPN primarily, are going down, and streaming is not coming up as fast. Like, Iger's not in the place that he would have been in early 2020. It's a very different business now. And while I think he's going to repair the um, relationships that Disney has with the talent in Hollywood and that mm-hmm. Hollywood's going to feel better about it. I think Iger, if you expect Iger to go and reverse everything that Chapek is doing, let's keep in mind one of the reasons Chapek failed is that Chapek was handed Bob Iger's strategy and the and and the world changed and Chapek didn't react well. And it's got to be that that 
Iger is sitting out there watching the world change and seeing what what Chapek is reacting to and saying, no, 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 that's not how you do this. And now he's going to put that presumably into practice. But this is a real flail on on the Disney board's part. I assume that that like Iger has a plan. I don't know if yeah. it's right, right? But like, and my I would assume that like he has been feeding this idea to someone, right? <laughs> that like I've no, I've I got a plan here. Like I can. I know what we need to do. Yeah, or or basically, like, this is not what they should be doing. I'll tell yeah. you what they should be doing. And finally, the Disney board last week basically came to him and said, Bob, come back. And he's, and, and would you come back? Here's what we'll give you if you come back. And he was like, yeah, okay, I'll come back. I got a plan. We're going to make this work. So I would... I would recommend that people not expect that this is a big reset button and big bad Bob Chapek is gone and therefore Disney's not going to have problems because Disney got problems. They're they going to be okay, right? Like this is something Julia and I talked about last week. Our episode last week was literally titled Disney's going to be okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh my goodness, what happened? But the fact is Disney did exactly what they planned on doing, which is they spent a lot of money to get subscribers and they got subscribers. Most of these streaming services are not growing very fast at all. And yet Disney's subscription base is really growing. It has grown a lot. That part of it has totally worked. The strategy was spend a lot of money and get subscribers. They did it. The problem now is Wall Street's like, stop spending so much money. You need to make a profit. And Disney's like, all right, well, I guess we'll raise prices everywhere and we'll we'll lay people off and we'll tighten the belt. Like that, that aspect of what Wall Street wants is not changing. So don't expect the reset button to be hit on that front. But I do think the relationships with Hollywood will change. And I think you're going to end up with a guy who is not only, I mean, he is one of the most effective CEOs of our era. Mm -hmm. And he's got, uh, Iger has lots of ideas. Um, he, uh, he's got a tough job ahead of him. And it, it's going to be a lot harder than the last time he was sitting in that chair. The situation is has worsened considerably. Um, but it, it, so it'll be a different Disney and I am I have great enthusiasm for Iger coming back, mostly because I think Chapek was a money guy who didn't understand the business and its relationship with its customers. I think he was all about the parks and grinding money out of people going to parks. And I think he showed that he was bad at politics, bad at working with his employees, and bad at working with Hollywood. And while being a money guy is like part of being a CEO, if you're the CEO of Disney and you're bad at politics and bad at your own employees you're and a bad, bad at CEO. Hollywood, <laughs> you should CEO. not be the CEO. Yeah. 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 And Iger is good at all those things. Now, again, no guarantee of success here, but if anybody was going to succeed... It's Iger. I think the big thing to watch with him is he needs to build. He needs to bring people back or in who he trusts and who he thinks have the talent to replace him, because he is going to need. He's in his early seventies. He is going to need a replacement. The board would like it in two years, so we'll see. But uh, really fascinating. I thought it was a huge surprise, mostly because they gave uh, Chapek that vote of confidence with the the extension. I thought they would let him go longer. And figure this out, but obviously the board has just lost complete faith in him, and Wall Street sort of lost faith in him. And everybody likes Iger, so they're going to let him take a crack at it. This is a wild story. Like it this is, is, I could not, bananas. I could not believe it when I yeah. saw it. I was recording a podcast last night, and it came over, and I just, I, I, I reread it. I clicked on the link. I made sure that it was from a Twitter account that was that that was, seemed legit and not a fake Twitter account. It's like, how could this be true? But it was in the Wall Street Journal, and it was on Variety, and it was on the Hollywood Reporter. I'm like, I guess this is happening, and like, I understand it, but I just. 
you know, it's like a baseball team um, re-upping its manager on a two-year contract and then three months into the season firing him. It's like, why did you, like, has has the situation changed so much in the last few months? And I think the answer is the situation got a lot worse. And Bob Iger, I suspect, got more willing to come back. I think that's the key, genuinely. Yeah. Like, I, I think it, without Bob Iger wanting to do this, they would stay with JPEG. Because what else are they going to do? Yeah, hard to find a. I think that I think that's absolutely true. That, that yes, I know there are a lot of people out there, but like I'm not sure there's anybody else out there right now who could take on the mantle of Disney CEO and execute the way that the board wants them to. I don't. I think anybody and the way else. Wall Street in, wants to. Even yeah, and even if somebody, well, yeah, the board generally sort of wants what Wall Street wants, but yeah, sure, sure. the um, even though. You could hire somebody maybe better than Chapek, but if you're bringing somebody in from the outside, they're going to have a whole period of time where they're going to have to get up to speed and they're going to make their own mistakes and they have to learn from them. And like, I could see the thought process. It was just, no, no, what we really need to do is develop a CEO, but we don't want Bob Chapek to do it because we don't like him and we want to get rid of him. And it's like, ah, here's the plan. Bring back Bob Iger. Mm -hmm. He totally gets our business and have, and task him with also finding that person and bringing them up to speed so that they can step in, uh, this time for sure. Cause again, he did that with Bob Chapek. Yep. Um, although I wonder sometimes about the level of confidence he truly had in Bob Chapek versus that he was sort of told like, no, no it's gotta be him. And now it's more clearly part of his job to right. cultivate. Now it's like, this uh, is the guy. Can you work with him please? Right. Yeah. Like maybe like one of the things that I think really sings for why they would go with Iger is clearly Disney needs to undergo some form of changes now, like some kind of strategy yes. change again to, to, to appease everyone that needs appeasing. So Iger has the relationships within Disney where people will trust him and work with him in a way that it seemed maybe Chapek did not have. So if the, if the, the new strategy is coming from Bob Iger, people might be more willing to make it work inside of Disney, right? I think that's also true. And that goes back to his politics and being good with the employees and being yep. good with Hollywood, right? I mean, they may they may cut back severely on what they're spending on Disney Plus stuff too. But if you've got a guy who's got the good relationships, there's going to be a higher level of trust than there was with a guy who was viewed as the money guy with a chainsaw. Even if some of the moves are the same or similar, they're going to be received better by uh, coming from Bob Iger than they would have been coming from Bob Chapek. And mm -hmm. that is right. Like Bob Iger is going to come in and say, look, we've got some reality here, but I get what you're going through. And I get the impression that Bob Chapek was like, uh, Dottie, send a memo that, that their budget is cut. Like I, I, I really, right. I, and I know that's right. probably a little bit unfair, but that was the impression that I got is that one of these guys was a real, you know, corporate guy who didn't connect with those people. And then the other guy, is a corporate guy, but also gets them or makes them feel like he gets them. Yeah. And like in a creative business, uh, and Julian and I have talked about this a lot, like it's a creative business, right? It's both those words. It's creative and a business. And if you say, I, Disney's not creative, it's a business. You got to run it like a business. Like you can't. It is a creative business. You can't run it like it's all creative and not a business either. You have to do both. And Chapek, a lot of the time, felt like he just didn't get that part of it, which is why we said earlier, uh, despite all these other things that are maybe good about Chapek, like he's the wrong person to run a business like that. I was listening to um, the Strategy Daily Update today, and Ben yeah. had some quotes from like audio 
like because well, I was into the podcast version from Bob Chapek, and I haven't really yeah. paid much attention to the guy, but it was uh like yeah particularly like I know things he's done, but I've not really heard him speak before, and I was really struck by he was this is at the Wall Street Journal Tech Conference, the way he was referring to Disney fans, it kind of felt like he was dismissing them or like talking down on them, a kind of like. They and like it didn't feel right. Like mm-hmm. you know, it's like they kind of make it a part of their identity, like to be a Disney fan. And it kind of, I don't know, it didn't feel like the way that the Disney CEO should talk about fans of Disney. It kind of felt a little bit like talking down to them and like they'll do whatever I want them to. It was very strange. It sounded strange to me. And I think a, a lack of understanding of the Disney uh, audience, right? Yeah. Like I think I think that's what it comes down to is like. Uh, it's like somebody coming in and saying, oh, I'm in charge of Star Wars now. I don't get what those Star Wars people like, or I'm in charge of Star Trek yeah. now. Trekkies, you know, they like stuff, whatever. And it's like, no, you kind of need to get it. You know, you kind of need to get who your audience is and, and, and not consider them kind of weirdos that we can exploit. And I always come back to the fact that I think your least effective executives are ones who don't see your customers as people who are really engaging with your content or your product and that that engagement matters and instead see them as bags of money walking around ready to be monetized right and i think bob chapek was a big bag of money monetizing guy and it's not that bob Iger doesn't like care about business and making money but i feel like he had a better touch on like understanding why their business is the way it is why are people willing to give us money right like that's the, the important part like as disney ceo you need to understand people are willing to give you money because of everything that they believe in you and what you do and what you 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 represent to them not just because they really love the star war right like it means yeah. something to them and like They're you've like, got to, got to understand heads? are they yeah. wookie heads i yeah. don't know whatever yeah. just uh, charge them more for that thing it's great while we're in upstream, by the way, okay, just yes. probably worth uh, mentioning that Apple has announced some of the details around the Major League Soccer stuff. Yes. And you had a really good article about this in Six Colors, and, and I Thank was you. genuinely surprised at how deep the partnership is between Apple and Major League Soccer. So I'll run through a few details. It's a lot. Talk about yeah. It. So, uh, Apple and Major League Soccer will be working together to produce the broadcast of every match in the season, including cup games. There will be some that will be simulcast, so they'll be available on other services, probably like the big important games. Yeah, like ESPN or something. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Some of them will be free on Apple TV uh, and Apple TV+. Plus. But if you want all of them, you need the MLS Season Pass. This will be $15 a month or $99 a year. There is a discount for TV Plus subscribers. If you subscribe to Apple TV Plus, you still have to pay. It's $12.99 a month or $79 right. a year. And you don't have to pay if you aren't an Apple TV Plus. I saw some people saying, I can't believe I got to be a subscriber and then subscribe. And it's like, you don't. No, but it's You more. don't have to pay for Apple TV Plus. You can just pay $99 and get the whole season. Mm-hmm. But as we mentioned before, if you're a Major League Soccer season ticket holder, this is free for you, which you I still think is incredible. Like, I think that is such a cool thing to do. Mm-hmm. Now, there was an article in The Athletic that you linked to as well in your piece talking about how Apple are working very fast to get everything placed for the launch in February. One of the things that I found fascinating is that Major League Soccer and Apple are setting the schedule together of the games. Yeah, there's a the goal here is to create... I think that there was a, um, a desire to do this 
from the uh, MLS side to sort of standardize their game schedule, but that one of the things probably pushing against it was their media partners who have slots on different days that they want to fill, right? If you're ESPN, what you want is, um, you know, I've got college football on this day or I've got basketball on this day. And we're like, oh, well, we'll put the soccer on this day. And if you're MLS and you're like, but we don't play games on that day, your media partner comes to you and says, uh, yeah, you do. <laughs> and yep. you do. Like, how else can you do it? So I, I, what they're doing here is they're trying to set up a thing where they've got uh, slots on, I think it's like Wednesdays and Saturdays in the evenings. And then, uh, and then they'll have like showcase game uh, Saturday afternoon and Sunday afternoon. But they're like going to set it up that way. And then everything else is sort of like the rolling through on the day where there'll be matches on Wednesday and they'll all start at 7.30 local time. So some of them will start Eastern, some of them will start Pacific, and they'll move across the country in between. And that they're all that is all part of their planning that they're doing mm -hmm. with Apple. Yeah. Uh, and also product placement is part of the deal. This is a quote from you. Not only will teams be equipped with iPads, referees will wear Apple Watches, and the VAR video review system will be based on Apple devices. An Apple TV logo will also appear on the sleeve of every team's jersey. Yeah, I had somebody commented uh, that I thought was very clever, which is like, one of the values in this is product placement that like, this is not just Apple paying for, uh, for the, the TV, uh, rights. It's also Apple play, you know, Apple's essentially a sponsor of the league. They're mm -hmm. going to be on every, the sleeve of every team in the league. So there's lots of other stuff going on here that is not just the rights deal that's going on with them. Um, and, and yeah, the VAR was a funny one. Like that, that sounds like that's a, that's a challenge to get the VAR stuff, the video review. It's like the replay, instant replay for mm -hmm. Americans, um, up to, uh, up to code with, uh, with what they want to do. Um, but they're going to try, right. Mm -hmm. Cause they want it to be like all Apple everywhere. Yeah. I wonder if this might set a bad precedent for Apple of like how much control they would get from a sports partner. <laughs> I know well, they're going to get this everywhere. Which brings us to our last item in downstream, which is a really quick one, which is the Athletic upstream. also did a very good piece about NFL downstream Sunday Ticket. is your show. This is upstream, Jason. Sorry, upstream. We're going upstream. <laughs> We're paddling upstream right now. <laughs> yeah, go on. Tell me what's happening with Sunday it's Ticket. Fine. I feel like I mean, this is going on I don't have forever. to. I can just tell people to listen to it on downstream next uh -huh. week if they really want to. Okay. Um, NFL Sunday ticket. Apple is negotiating with uh, with the NFL about this. This is the out of game, out of market uh, live game streaming. Uh, Direct TV currently has this. Uh, this is taking time. That uh, the NFL thought that there would be a deal, and the reports are basically Apple and the NFL are both used to being getting the upper hand <laughs> and so they're kind of clashing on the deal it sounds like basically the apple is frustrated because of the limitations that that the nfl has placed on this deal it doesn't cover international because they already have a product for that called uh, nfl plus uh it only covers um out of market local so if you're uh, if you bought this package and you live in san francisco you can't watch the game on on Fox that's on Fox on Channel 2 in the Bay Area market because that's blacked out because you need to watch it on Channel 2 to protect the local uh, TV channel. And if you don't if you can't get it via some other means, you can't watch it. And that is uh, Apple doesn't like that, but they have presumably other contracts with the with Fox and CBS. There's also this feeling like uh, 
NFL keeps bringing, um, putting games on other time slots. Uh, they are playing in Europe. Uh, they've added the, you know, they've got the Thursday night and the Monday night, and they've added some Saturdays late in the year. And there's all sorts of other things. There's three games on Thanksgiving. So there's a, a feeling that the NFL has devalued Sunday ticket a lot by putting all these restrictions on it and that mm-hmm. that frustrates Apple and that Apple wants also the freedom to invent stuff and the way that Apple works is sort of like we set what the rules are and then and then we do whatever we want within the rules and the NFL is like no we set the rules and that's all you can do and that there's a fundamental like cultural issue between yeah. them yeah. where the NFL only wants this and that's why the Sunday ticket has never been the best fit for Apple it's just what's available for them because yeah. It isn't. It's it's a repackaging of existing content under under other contracts, and so it's it's tough to make that your own. And I think Apple is chafing at that. But they're still talking. I think the the, the thing to remember above all else is the only reason that a, that the NFL has not rolled this into NFL Plus their existing package and just sold it themselves and eliminated the middleman is that they know that there's a deep pocketed tech company out there who will overpay for it because they want to build uh, either a subscriber base or an addressable market because DirecTV overpaid for Sunday Ticket for years. They overpaid and they knew they overpaid, but they overpaid because they knew to get Sunday Ticket, you had to call up DirecTV and have them install a satellite dish on your roof. And at that point, you're probably going to cancel your cable and use DirecTV as your as your uh, TV provider. And so it was a way to acquire new subscribers for them. And so they overpaid for Sunday Ticket, and Sunday Ticket never really made back that money, but they knew they were getting people to put satellite dishes on their roof. Well, now it's 2022. We're talking about 2023 for this. What they're trying to do is find somebody who will overpay so that they will do what Apple and Amazon have been trying to do, which is uh, force people who are not yet streaming to start streaming. And Amazon's had great success with Thursday Night Football doing this. And Apple will presumably try to do more of this with uh, MLS, and they tried with Major League Baseball. Is Sports is a way to get people who are resistant to signing up for streaming or plugging something into their TV or learning how their TV works in order to find that app that's already on their TV to get them over the hump. And if Apple or Amazon is willing to overpay, the NFL would rather do that, right? Why why eliminate the middleman to make less money when the middleman will pay me more? And it doesn't matter to the NFL if it doesn't make sense to their business because they've, they're playing a different game. The NFL just cashes the checks. So that's what's going on. And it's still out there. There's a feeling that by the time the Super Bowl rolls around in February, this deal has to be done. Um, and while Apple is in first position in this negotiation, they say that there are definitely uh, Amazon and Google with YouTube are both circling as well uh, as potential suitors for this. YouTube? Huh. I mean, I understand they have YouTube TV, but I didn't think I did not know they were in the running for this or were ever interested. But why not? I guess, right? I think technically it would be. I don't know if it would even be YouTube TV. It would probably just be YouTube, and it would be a package that you would buy and watch. Or you know, I doubt they would they would force you to pay for the YouTube TV uh, product to do it. But who knows? Like again, this is all speculation at this point from informed sources but anyway it's a good piece in the athletic by daniel kaplan and uh you know when apple when apple or someone else makes a deal we'll uh, let you know here on upstream a segment on the upgrade program (laughs) 
This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by our good friends at Memberful, the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience used by the biggest creators on the web. You can generate sustainable recurring income while diversifying your revenue stream with Memberful. You will have heard us even on this episode talking about the Relay FM membership program and Upgrade Plus. Memberful is the platform that we use to power that program. They make it so incredibly easy for us to offer bonus content to our members, generate an extra revenue stream, and generally feel better about the content that we make and the jobs that we have here at Relay FM. Uh, we have been using them for years. You know, we're talking about the, um, the 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 coupon code that we're doing, right? So we can give people uh, discounts on the annual plans. We could do this is all done in Memberful. Very easy for this to do. We can keep track of how many people have redeemed it. It's really good. They've got fantastic metrics that we can keep track of everything, of everything, right? So we can see how plans are performing. It's really incredible stuff, and they are a fantastic partner for us. We're so happy. And if you work with any type of content creation and you want to generate an extra more reliable revenue stream, Memberful is definitely the way to go. You may be already producing content, relying on advertising or other uh, means of income. Memberful makes it incredibly easy to diversify that with everything you need to run a membership program of your own, including custom branding, gift subscriptions, Apple Pay, free trials, private podcasts, and tons more. And very importantly, leaving you with full control and ownership of everything that relates to your audience, brand, and membership. You can also send uh, email newsletters, paid email newsletters directly through Memberful. We do this as well. We have a newsletter that goes out to FM members. You don't need to connect to a third-party email provider. You can publish your paid newsletter content to a memberful-hosted members-only website so people can read previous issues. And there's no additional fee for this when you're signed up for one of Memberful's pro or premium plans. If you are a content creator, Memberful can help you monetize that passion. Get started for free at memberful.com upgrade with no credit card required. That's memberful.com upgrade. Go there now and check it out. It could be the start of something exciting. Oh, thanks to Memberful for their support of this show and Relay FM. So I had a bunch of uh, smart home follow-up stuff like from yeah. the last episode. I wanted to talk about a few little parts. Awesome follow-up from the Upgradians. So good. I mm. uh, got a bunch on Twitter, some in email, some in Discord. Really great. Um, one of the big things that I mentioned was about using Acara products. So A-Q-A-R-A. Like there were products that I was interested in, but their hub was showing up as a alarm system in the summary fields and home kits. You know, home kit now has those little pills at the top, right? So it shows you like a glance, how many lights are on. It will also show you some information about sensors, security stuff. And, I'm using a security system from a company called Abode that are very like hooked into HomeKit. And even when my, if my alarm was set, it was showing that like on the summary section that it was disarmed because the Acara hub wasn't set. And it didn't make any sense to me to have the Acara hub be a security system. I didn't need it for that. So a bunch of people wrote into me about ways that you could, in by checking and unchecking a bunch of settings, get it to not show. This has been unreliable for me, where sometimes it wasn't showing as a part of the, the security system, and sometimes it was. It was very strange. But what I'm actually going to do is take a suggestion from Lex, who wrote in, to say that what they're doing, because they, they have a, an alarm system and they have the Okara stuff, is to, with automations, link them together. So if my alarm system sets to arm, set the Acara hub to arm, and then it will just visually show the way that I want, but actually makes no 
change to the system because I'm not using any of Akara's alarm stuff. This is probably the route that I'm going to go down just because Akara's stuff is really good and really cheap compared to other people. Like they have tons of sensor stuff and I think I want to continue using some of their products. And some of their products are really ingenious. They're not things that I think I want to use, but like they have these two products. They have one which is uh, it's a device that you can attach to curtains on a curtain rail to open the curtains. It's like it's this little like robot basically that just pulls the curtains open. And similarly, if you have regular blinds that you pull with like a chain or a cord, they have this thing that you can put over the top of it and it will make your regular blinds smart blinds. They're very ingenious stuff at Akara. So I want to continue using some of their things. Like they have these leak sensors that have, these are the ones that I was interested in. So much cheaper than the other stuff that I found that was HomeKit enabled. The same for like temperature sensors and stuff. Like I'm talking the difference between like 19 pounds and 60 pounds with competitors. And I don't really want to pay that much. Mm. Plus I got, someone recommended that I get one of their cameras. They have uh, the Akara G2H camera, which also acts as a hub. It was still being inconsistent as to wherever it showed us up, up as an alarm. But I did get one of these. And now I'm kind of, I actually really like having cameras in HomeKit, like just in the Home app. And so their cameras are also really good and fairly priced. And so I think I'm kind of, I'm in on the car and I'm just going to make it work with my security system. Um, and I might end up with like, because you know how this stuff is. Abode, which is the company that I like their alarm system and all that kind of stuff. They have cameras, but the Abode cameras do not work in HomeKit. So I can use mm-hmm. Abode cameras and they'd be in the Abode app. And then I could have a car cameras and they'd be in the Home app. And I actually think I'm okay with that divide. There's some like getting cameras certified to work in the home app seems to be a particularly difficult prospect, which is why it is impossible to find a wireless video doorbell that works in HomeKit does not exist. You cannot find one. It drives me mad. At least I cannot find one here in the UK. Some products exist in other markets, but... So I might end up with a slight split there about like what my cameras are looking at, but I actually kind of like just if I'm in the home app, just having a quick view into like maybe an inside and outside camera as well as having the camera system that's tied into my alarm system as well. So we'll see. I mean, but but basically the Akara stuff, I'm going to continue going down that road just because some of their products are interesting and I can set up some automations to kind of set and unset them correctly. Um, I also got a bunch of recommendations for HomeKit YouTubers to follow. Uh, there was one person whose videos I started watching and found really enjoyable. Uh, it's a guy called Shane Watley and he did actually had just published a video. It's like 35 minutes long of going through his entire home and showing all the stuff that he set up. And it, I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, he he does a lot of stuff that's not necessarily digging into Home Assistant and Home... And I don't want to do that. Um, I, ju- I want to keep things as simple as possible while still using just the regular apps. Like, I'm not... I don't want to go down the Home Assistant Homebridge route. And I know people will tell me why it's so great, but it's not a thing that I want to do. Like, every time I watch people talk about this... It's about five minutes before they show me a GitHub page. I'm like, you see, now I, I, you've gone too far. I, I'm not interested, yeah, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 
That's like me me with soldering, right? Yes. And <laughs> it's, it's completely like, no, no. understand. Like, no. It's just a certain level at which I'm ready to check out and that's it. Like I want to be able to do everything in apps, right? As soon as I have to go into a config file, um, you, you've lost me. I'm not, this, is, this is adding in a level of weirdness that can occur that I don't want. But I'm very much enjoying setting all this stuff up. Uh, and I'm, I'm, again, like looking at some of these products and seeing how like Matter Future could be helpful to me. So, uh, But yeah, I'm, I'm still trying my best to keep things as HomeKit as possible. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, yeah, the, the the wireless camera stuff and wireless doorbell stuff of HomeKit still far off. But doorbells are one yeah. of the things that's coming to matter, I think, next. So at some point, it will get fixed for me. Well, like I said, I my uh, a while ago, I have these Arlo cameras, and they integrate with HomeKit, even mm-hmm. though they're not HomeKit secure video or yep. anything like that. And at least they do show up. And theoretically, I can, I I do. They 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 don't work. They're not as responsive as I would like them to be in general. So, like, if I tap on a camera in HomeKit, there's a bit of a wait mm-hmm. before they spin up. And that's because they aren't streaming video all the time. They're based on sort of either your demand or motion sensing for yep. them to spin up and start recording. So they're not perfect, but I've got a few of them, and they're okay. And it's kind of nice to see them in HomeKit. I mean, theoretically, my house is so small. Like, so many of these smart doorbell, smart camera things are like, oh, smart doorbell, that's so cute. I mean, uh, just tap on the door. Literally tap on the door, and you can hear it everywhere in the house. There's no, the door, like, kids, the the trick-or-treaters this year were confused because there was no doorbell. I was like, guys, this house is real small. We don't need a doorbell, <laughs> and so we don't have one. My, dis- I have two reasons I would like a video doorbell. One is we have a front garden with kind of like a little pathway, and mm-hmm. so if somebody was to knock, say, we wouldn't hear them. And the like has, has like have an external gate, and that's where I want to put a video doorbell. The other thing that is makes sense. for when I'm not home, right? Like somebody rings on the doorbell of a package when I'm not home and I can ah. give them some kind of direction as to where to put the package or ah, not. Okay. Like that that's what I want it for. I'm never not home. <laughs> <laughs> so I've I've got no use for this. The other my only thing it's only twenty bucks, but like the only other thing is I don't really want another hub and these this car stuff looks really interesting, but it is like and then you gotta get the Zigbee hub for twenty five bucks and plug it in somewhere. Well, what what I do like about them is that they build hubs into other products. Like, their cameras are hubs. Are hubs. Okay. And I think that that's kind of fascinating. It's very like a very smart way to do it. Like, that. look, you need a hub, but we're finding ways to put our hubs into other things you might want. And so for me, you know, you know what you just mentioned about the Arlo cameras? I'm kind of like building this, this I think like a two-tier system of security camera in my mind for the home, right? That like Mm -hmm. the abode system is for like the important cameras, right? Like it's, you know, I have it set up to the siren thing. It's got the, like the backup, the battery backup. It's got the professional monitoring, that whole deal, right? So like that is the urgent stuff. But I would like maybe a couple of cameras maybe pointing outside or whatever that I basically use as just snapshots in the home app. Like I'm not looking for necessarily the live video from them, but that I could open the home app and get like, oh, there's these three cameras and just like, what was it like 10 minutes ago? You know what I mean? Like that kind of that kind of idea rather than like mm-hmm. the urgent part. So like I'm kind of, that's how I'm starting to like map it out in my brain. Just I'm having so much fun with, with smart home stuff right now. 
I'm like, well, I'm glad. I'm like in it to win it over here. It's great. It's good. Well, you got a home. Please keep sending me all of your suggestions. I want all of them. The oh, today I haven't set them up yet, but the 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 Hue Christmas lights arrived today. Wow. Yeah. I'm excited That's to look big. at this. I ha- I have not I have not taken that plunge yet about the Christmas lights. I ought to I ought to consult with Lauren and see what she wants to do with that. But I'll let you know. I think I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna unbox them today and I'll I'll text you and I'll let you know if they're good or not. All right. Maybe I'll send you some pictures. Okay. Cool. You had a story for me. You told I me you do. said Michael got a story for you. Yeah, we got to create a little home segment here uh-huh. because uh, you had your home follow up, and I had my story. Just a little story. I, I really want to tell this story mostly because I feel like we say it a lot, and a lot of the podcasts that are like ours say it a lot, where we bring up something like the Lutron Caseta stuff and mention, "Oh, it's rock solid. It's rock solid." And like I've done that, and I know Marco has done that on ATP, and like we say it. And I just want to say, when we say it, we mean it. <laughs> and I'm going to give you an example of what, what happened in my life mm-hmm. that uh, makes me uh, think about this, which is I had a networking failure a week ago yesterday. I woke up on Sunday morning and no internet. And, you know, I come out to the garage and it's cold and I'm, I'm, I'm just awake and I'm like, what is going on? And it doesn't seem like the lights are on on my router or my uh or my fiber router my wi-fi router or my fiber router which are right next to each other i'm like what's going on here and i figure out eventually that what happened is at 3 a.m my cyber power uninterruptible power supply which previously appeared in episode 269 of upgrade as beep beep from far away (laughs) the ups that beeps forever when the power goes out to tell you that the power is out, which you probably already figured out, its battery officially died. I don't know what causes that. I don't know. I mean, I know battery degradation, but at some point the UPS uh, internal monitors were like, oh, this battery's gone. And Hmm. so it did what you would think it would do logically, which is cut off power immediately to all the outlets on the thing that is there to keep things running. I know it beeps. It could just start beeping. <laughs> but no, instead, it just cut the power off to those outlets. That seems the like <laughs> the thing. I don't understand. <laughs> look, look, there is a philosophy in a lot of power strips that are surge protectors that when the surge protection is gone, they turn off because that's the way you can't ignore it. They like say, no, no, you can't use this anymore. It's a surge protector and it's not offering protection. So you can't use it anymore. But this thing... I, I, I don't understand it because, yeah, you, you would think that if it was having a problem with the battery, it should beep and say battery problem, not goodbye power. So you still had power to the house. Oh, yeah. Power didn't go out. But the UPS died. So it decided. Yes. To, to, it's like, if I'm going down, you're coming with me. Was yeah. It's, it's feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> okay. what this meant was, essentially, my Wi-Fi router, the Eero routes all the traffic inside my home network. It does all of the uh, network uh, address translation stuff for like my server and my other things that are accessible from outside. It's doing all of that. The Eero does that. And that's because the Eero has some features that the fiber router from AT&T does not have. I tried. I tried a lot. I couldn't get it to work where I wanted to use the same URL to access my home server from inside my network and outside my network. It didn't work. Frustrating. I learned a lot about hairpin NAT 
Anyway, AT&T's fiber. Yeah, again, a thing that you should just nope out of, Mike, if you hear about it. Okay. Hairpin that. Don't know. I don't, don't want do it. it. So I'm using the Arrow instead for all of that. And it's been fine. But just keep in mind, what this means is that for four or five hours, the Eero that routes everything in and is the DHCP server and is everything for my homeland is down and my fiber connection is down. I finally figure it out. I pull out another power strip. I plug it in. I pull the UPS out. I plug the stuff in. The lights come back on. The network comes back on. Great. We have the internet in the house now. Hooray. Except... And this is when we talk about Lutron, Caseta, and other things that have like, and probably Acaris like this too, have their own hub with their own mm-hmm. radio backhaul. And then it attaches to your local network, but like they can talk amongst themselves and they can talk y- using the, the, the base. And then the base talks to the rest of the network, but you, they, can, they can work re- without the network being there. This is the kind of stuff we're talking about because that outage on a Sunday morning rippled through my house and its smart home stuff for the whole week. <laughs> the whole week. It wasn't like, oh, now nothing works and I need to reboot everything. Everything worked for a while. I suspect that there was a networking thing going on where there were like DHCP leases that were, it was gliding on the old ones from the Eero and then the, and then they timed out and the Eero didn't interact with them right. I don't know. I'm not a network manager, nor should I have to be. So my automation stopped working at some point, which leads me to believe that my mm. Apple TV got confused and mm, or my devices bad. that were trying yeah. to look to the HomeKit hub couldn't. Um, and when I looked at home, at one point when I looked at home, it, it was like, uh, you know, the it was not there or there were two of them. It, it, it got real weird, right? And, and so my automation stopped working. So like the lights didn't come on in my backyard. I was like, what is going on here? The outside light smart outlet, which is on Wi-Fi, stopped working at some point until I unplugged it. I think that was on Sunday. Unplugged it and replugged it. And then it worked fine. But then the automation stopped working. And so then it didn't go on. And I thought, do I need to unplug it and replug it? But no, no, they were they were working now. It was just that the automation stopped. And I have a dehumidifier in our uh, bedroom. And uh, it it uh, I think it turned on and then never turned off. And I had to go turn it <laughs> off. It was like, what were these automations set by? HomeKit? HomeKit. Automations, yeah. Oh, it's to yeah. turn the lights on at a certain time at, at after sunset yeah. and then turn it off at 11.30 and turns the front light on and then leaves it on to a certain time and turns it off and it turns the dehumidifier on during the day and then turns it off. It's a whole set of timers, yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Those, those stopped working. The outlet, outside smart outlet stopped working. My weather station data logger, which is literally just an Ethernet thing, it's plugged in to the Ethernet. The, the The data logger is attached to the little console that talks to my weather station. They have their own little radio connection that they share. Yeah. And then the data logger is the thing that's like, it trails out of the console and it's uh, an Ethernet plug and you plug it in. It stopped working. And then, and I thought it had died and I ordered a replacement and then it started working and then it stopped working and then it started working and it was sporadic. And that was very mysterious because as far as I could tell, I could still sort of see it, but it wasn't talking to my Mac mini in the closet in my son's bedroom. uh, That is my server. So that was very mysterious. Homebridge at one point during the week, not on Sunday morning, mind you, at some point during the week, Homebridge got very confused. 
So I had to, and I, and had to be restarted. I had already restarted my Mac mini at this point, I believe a couple of times, but I had to then re restart Homebridge inside of it because all the Homebridge devices stopped being visible or, you know, seen by HomeKit. At one point I tried to turn on my lights when the lights weren't working on the outside. And I thought that it was the, the, um, that they needed to be unplugged and replugged the little light switch for the smart light for the lights outside. I, uh, it was because I was pressing up and down on the little, um, Phillips hue remote that I have on the wall by the outside door that I use to turn those lights on and off using HomeKit. Uh, turns out <laughs> the hue switches had stopped working again. This is later well, in the week. This the is hue switches stopped working. <laughs> so then I have to go and find, I have to play the game of where exactly did I tuck my hue hub? Mm. Is it in the? Is it in Julian's bedroom or is it in the? It turns out it's actually in the center of my living room. Uh, you know, thing that the TV is on. It's back behind there mm-hmm. with a hub and a bunch of other stuff. So I had to go in there and pull it out and find the power plug and unplug it and replug it. And then guess what? Oh, the Hue stuff came back. Um, and this was a, this rolling chaos throughout the week. So what have we learned here? One is. <laughs> As much of it work as it is, if part of your network goes down, if your router goes down, I guess what you need to do is literally go to everything that's got a plug that's a home thing on your network, and you need to unplug it all and replug it in after you get the router back up, because apparently um, it, they're all just ticking time bombs until you get to that point. Um, this is, I just want to restate, this is why uh, relying on Wi-Fi and products that just use your, your LAN's IP network is bad mm. because they're bad and they are unreliable because the network protocols are were meant to be administered by people working at universities who have uh, technical staffs to do this sort of thing, not in your home where you're the technical staff. And why stuff like the Lutron thing where it's got its own radios and network really does work. Uh, It's why I feel like the thread aspect of matter is really interesting because the idea that maybe we don't need to trust the Wi-Fi and there are other ways for us to talk to one another is the right way forward. Like try to not have it be on your home IP network and your home Wi-Fi if you can avoid it because it's not it's reliable until it isn't and then it doesn't work anywhere. And then uh and then another next next point, even when something works pretty well for a while, then it fails. And it's super frustrating because you end up in the situation where you're like, well, wait a second, it's worked for a year. Why did it stop working? And it's very hard to debug why it is not working now. And I will just point out that like, this is also why you should never, ever subject anyone in your home to smart home anything unless you have signed up to be the red alert IT manager who is going to troubleshoot it immediately when it breaks, which also means as a corollary, do not do this to your, your family who does not live with you because you are on the hook to figure out their home network at a distance or go there and fix it. Because I, at least I'm in this house and can do the troubleshoot. I didn't like doing the troubleshooting all week, uh, Sunday morning and then the rest of the week, but at least I was here to do it. And my final bullet point here is, bottom line is, this stuff's still not good enough. It's just not there yet. It's fun to play with, but it's way too brittle. And I appreciate the fact that I think the matter standard is actually meant to deal with a bunch of these issues, but it's been a while. It's been a few years since I had 
a cascade of failures like I had this week. And it, you know, and I love my smart home stuff and it really has improved aspects of our house. But I'll also point out that like when the lights didn't go on in the backyard or I couldn't control them from the switch that I have inside, the lights in my living room were never a problem because they're Lutron Caseta lights. They have a physical switch on the wall that controls them and there is a remote control that we have in the living room to control them that uses radio, its own radio frequency to talk to its own devices. And so it all still worked as the rest of the stuff broke. So that's my story, Mike. That's my story. Uh, don't have hubs. Don't have networks, I guess, is the, is the lesson to take from this. This episode is brought to you by Fitbod. Between balancing your work life, family life, and everything going on in your life, it can be hard to make fitness a priority. And what you need is a program that's going to work with you, not against you, and that's why you need Fitbod. Fitbod has an algorithm that's going to learn about you and your goals and your training ability and use this to craft a personalized exercise plan unique to you. And it also learns from the way that you do the workouts in their app to make sure they continue to customize things so you're not going to be overworking part of your body it makes sure that they balance it so you're not overworking or underworking whether you work out twice a day or twice a week the fitbot app will learn from every workout that you do to make your next even better and their app makes it so easy to learn how to perform every exercise they have hd video tutorials of every exercise in the app shot from multiple angles so you'll be able to learn every single one of them it's super great. I love how it integrates with my Apple Watch. So once I have learned the exercises and I'm familiar with the, maybe some of the ones that they're asking me to do, I can just use my Apple Watch to keep advancing to the next exercise uh, in the program that they set up for me on that day. Fitbod uses data to create and adjust a dynamic fitness plan that is for you, that you will have instant access to from anywhere that you want to make progress on your goals. Personal fitness, it's not just about competing with other people. I think it's not about that at all. What really sticks is when you can find something that works just for you. So Fitbod does a ton of work to make sure that what the plans that they create for you, they're going to stick because they are tailored to suit you and your training needs. Personalized training of this quality can be expensive. Fitbod is just $12.99 a month or $79.99 a year, but you can get 25% of your membership by signing up today at fitbod.me slash upgrade. So go there right now and get your customized fitness plan at fitbod.me slash upgrade. That is 25% of your membership at fitbod.me slash upgrade. Our thanks to Fitbod for the support of this show and Relay FM. It is time for some hashtag ask upgrade questions to finish out today's episode. The first comes from Jambo who asks, if Apple does launch a consumer VR product, do you have any thoughts on what they would call their VR world since metaverse is unlikely to be used as a name? So this question got me thinking, Jason, just in general, Mm -hmm. that there are so many branding opportunities for Apple when it comes to this VR headset, right? So you've got the the headset itself. What is that going to be called? What is the operating system going to be called? What is their kind of like home area? You know, like when you put it on and you, you see things, like what is that going to be called? Like, you know, the area that you're in where maybe you can create apps like you know oculus give you like this little home that you're in and you can see stuff and or maybe there's an office environment and then if they do have any kind of virtual worlds or collaboration apps there's names for them there do you have any thoughts on these like i don't think we could try and name them but there's a lot to do right 
There is a lot to do. I mean, it sounds, at least based on Mark Gurman's reports, that it's going to probably be Reality Pro or Reality One for the headset, that the operating system is at least called Reality OS. And if they're going to put Reality in the name of the product, they'll probably put it in the OS too. The home area is a good question, right? Is that just uh, home, Apple home, Reality Mm -hmm. home, Real Reality, Reality Pro, Reality Pro Max? I don't know. Ultra home. And then collaboration apps. I, I, what I keep thinking, though, is that a lot of this branding is, whenever possible, is going to be inherited from the iPhone because they want to keep the linkage with the rest of their platform. So, like, collaboration, I think they're going to call collaboration, and SharePlay is going to be called SharePlay and all of that. Mm. But you're right. There is some opportunity. Like, what do you call the metaverse if it's not the metaverse? You've got to call it the, again, reality first, reality pro, Apple reality, reality. I don't know. That's It's a good question. There's a lot of branding that goes on here. I am a little concerned, given some of Apple's recent product names, about the branding of this stuff. But um, I think they're going to try to keep it simple. And I don't know if skeuomorphism applies to language, but I feel like that's probably what they're going to want to do, is call things what they are in the real world or use real-world ideas. So if you think about, like, the desktop on the Mac, mm-hmm. that kind of idea of saying, when you're at home, you're in you're at, you're at home, or you're in the living room, or you're in the, you know, in the front, at the front door, or something like that. I, I That would be my guess, is that they're going to try to apply real-world concepts to this, rather than saying, oh, it's, we're in the metaverse now. You're in a science fiction landscape that's floating around you. I just that I think Apple is going to go as far in the direction of reality as possible in terms of its uh, naming and metaphor. Could be wrong, but that's yeah. just that's my my intuition. I got to say about metaverse, like I was just started watching the most recent season of Mythic Quest and like oh. It's the writing's great still. Like they they've got people that know gaming. So like, good. Big, yeah. do you, have you started it too? I've seen the first two, yeah. Yeah, that's where I am, the first two. Great, great, legitimately great. So good. Great, great, great And like, Ion is just so metaverse and Web3, and it's really funny. It's very, very funny. Yeah. Yep, good stuff. Sava asks, does anyone know what happened to all of the rumors of AirPods getting support for lossless audio? It seemed like it was a whole bunch of speculation just disappeared. Well, Apple, when they announced AirPods Pro 2, they said that it it enables complete, like a much higher ability to do bandwidth uh, from devices. And they never explained what they were doing with that or if they were doing anything with it. So I consider to believe, or I continue to believe that there is functionality in the AirPods Pro 2 that will support either higher bitrate or lossless audio and that they haven't enabled it yet in software. And why are they waiting? Maybe the software doesn't work. Maybe it it uh, is uh, something that they're waiting for also rolling out like AirPods Max 2 mm-hmm. that also supports it. And then they can say, and now both of these things support this new amazing thing we've got. I don't know that detail. It's also possible, yes, technically, that they this is a feature that they put in there, but they actually, turns out, they can't use it. It doesn't work reliably, and so they're not going to talk about it, except they did talk about the increased bandwidth. <laughs> so that's weird. Yeah. So I feel like it's hanging out there, and it probably does exist, but it doesn't, it's not being used right now. It's a little bit like the uh, the old U1 chip when it was announced, which is like, this is a thing. 
that uh, you could use for airdrop, I guess. And it was like very clear if you know about ultra wideband what it was going to ultimately be used for, but they weren't ready yet. It's a little like that. Or it could just be one of those things where like that additional bandwidth does not allow for support for lossless audio, but people heard it has additional bandwidth like as a rumor and said and thought that meant lossless audio. Yeah, but what are they? Here's the problem with that theory, and I think it could be right. But why did they talk about the additional bandwidth and then not explain in any way what it might be used for? They never yeah, said. Yeah, no, you're right. You're completely right. Completely right. But it's just like, hey, we do this. It might not be lossless, right? It also might be enhanced in some way, mm-hmm. where it's a higher quality thing that's coming out of the lossless. They're encoding the lossless audio on the fly to a much higher bit rate, so it's a much higher quality stream, but not truly lossless. That could be, or it could be that they've got, you know, uh, Apple lossless streaming working in the background, but they're not ready to enable it yet. Could be. Could be. Andrew asks, do you think Apple will make USB-C wired earpods? Yes. Yeah? I do. Kind of got to, right? Yeah. There has yeah. to be some kind of wired. Even if you don't sell a lot of them, like you, people do still want that, I guess. So why not make yeah. it? I think they will. I mean, maybe the, I don't know the dynamics of the, you know, the manufacture of those things, but like they made the lightning ear pods. I don't know why they wouldn't make the USB-C ear pods just to have them around as a real base thing for people who don't want to buy wireless headphones, but want to attack, he- attach headphones to their iPhone. Like, I, yes, I do. So my, my mom this morning and she turned to me and said, I think I want some of those AirPods. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay, mother. Fine. All right. We can help you out with that. Like mm-hmm. I have a, I'm not sure season. if she's going to like it. No, so we're going to start out. So don't tell her, I'm going to buy her a new iPhone this year. That I'm, I'm buying her. I'm going to get her an iPhone 13. She, she had my, mm-hmm. a 10R. Right, right. And and she's she's struggling at the moment with the earpiece. She can't, it's it's kind of failing on her a bit. But just in general, I think it's time for an upgrade for her. And, yep. uh, I'm going to get her a 13 because that's good for her she doesn't need a 14 so we're gonna get an iphone 13 um and we're gonna probably buy it during the apple have got a shopping period thing right now i think you get like a 50 dollar gift card or whatever 50 pound gift card if you if you do it during the black friday time so it feels like a good time to do it but i have some old original airpods and we're gonna try these because i don't know if she's gonna like it right don't buy her something if you if if you can get her to try exactly. it. Exactly. She yeah. doesn't use any kinds of earphones right now at mm. all. It's something she wants to do when she's uh, on the bus to work and she doesn't. She wants to know to listen to music, which is just interesting. It's like just an interesting mm. thing. It's like this has never been a thing you've expressed before. So I was like, all right, I'm going to give you my old AirPods and you can you can start with those and let me know if you like them and then we all can right. get some regular ones. But yeah, it was just like a funny thing that happened to me today. David asks, one thing I haven't heard discussed much about the lock screen changes in iOS 16 is the removal of the volume slider along with the playback controls. Do you miss it or have you even noticed? I like it as an indicator of volume level and a quick way to control volume on screen if I'm not holding my phone. Uh, I hadn't noticed because I used the button to adjust the volume. Never noticed. I'm a button boy. Uh, I mm. didn't even know that until I, the, what, this is the reason I included this question is I didn't know that they'd removed the volume slider. So one thing I will say with the lock screen, I've found myself multiple times, not something happened before accidentally skipping forward what I'm listening to. Like maybe I'm like touching something that I didn't mean to or like whatever, but that's been happening to mm-hmm. me. But 
in all in general, I like that nail playing more. I found it to be much more reliable with like suggestions for restarting podcasts and stuff. It was not very reliable with that before. Um, but while we're talking about volume buttons, I am a big fan of the volume control on AirPods Pro Two. I love having yeah. the volume control just there on the AirPods. Like I agree, way better than pressing like reaching into my pocket and pressing the buttons or whatever. Like mm-hmm. I, I really like it. You gotta like get the gesture down. Like it takes a little bit of practice to to kind of get it right. But once you get it right, very good. I have those moments where I'm listening and I want to adjust the volume and I think, oh boy, I'm going to need to go get my phone or pull my phone out of my pocket or whatever. And then I realize, oh, wait a second. And then you do that little thing and it's, yeah, it's it's really nice. As is fun from Zach and Discord, the volume indicator comes back on the lock screen if you're air playing something. (laughs) Then that just makes it weird, right? Like if you sometimes have it, why did you get rid of it? That's funny. Yeah. That's that's, very funny. Yeah, I, I, I would... What I would say is you probably it, it probably should be there, even though we are not using it. I think that it's nice to have it there, and I, I think you can afford the space on that one. I think so, too. I think so, too. If you would like to send in a question for us to answer on the show, just use the hashtag AskUpgrade or use question mark, question mark AskUpgrade in the Relay FM members Discord. Thank you so much to everybody that supports the show with an Upgrade Plus membership. We appreciate you very much. And we'd also like to thank Fitbod, Memberful, and Text Expander for their support of this episode. Uh, if you'd like to find Jason online, you can go to sixcolors.com. He is at Jasonell, J-S-N-E-L-L, on Twitter. Do you want to talk about Twitter and Upgrade Plus? I want to talk yeah. about it on Upgrade Plus again. I think okay. I have to do that. It's just too much fun to not talk about it right now. It's absolutely wild over there. Um, I am I Mike, I-M-Y-K-E. And uh, I'm going to be away for a couple of weeks now. I'm going on vacation. Jason's lined up a couple of very exciting guests for the show, so you can look out for those over the next couple of weeks. And don't forget to go to Upgradies.vote to cast your nominations for the Upgradies, the ninth annual Upgradies Awards. We'll be back next week. Until then. Nope. Well, he'll be back next week. Until then. Have a good vacation, Mike. Say goodbye. Bye. Bye, everybody.